Hi, this is Meg. And this is Billy. And we are... The Adopt Twins. Welcome to a podcast from two adoptees who are navigating life, loss, moving on, and growing up. For our adopted friends, we hope to bring you a familiar point of view. And for our friends who aren't, welcome to the complicated jungle of how we get on. National Adoption Month starts November 1st. Fun fact about National Adoption Month. I was born in National Adoption Month. Ooh, that's Mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. Yep. So I think that's why I felt so at home as an adoptee because I was born in the month of it. Transracial adoption. We've talked about that previously. But one thing I've learned more recently is that because so many white children were being adopted quicker than minority children, that they actually put something in place so that the agencies needed to actually work on trying to get these minority children, children of color, adopted And if they don't, they would get fined. So obviously they want to get these children adopted because this is an industry and they want to make their money. Right. So they're not looking to get fined and lose their money. So a lot of these children of color are being adopted into white families. And I'm thinking, well, okay, you know, I mean, transracial adoption is tough and all, but what I've learned also recently is that apparently, and this makes sense when you think about it, they have to do home visits to find out if the place is going to be safe for a kid. In a lot of states, there are specific rules of the child needs its own room or the child needs particular square footage of a room. Different things, depending on the state, are in place. And because people of color historically tend to make less money than their white counterparts, it's harder for them to afford larger houses so that they have these larger spaces for children. So it's a systemic unfairness, which is prevalent in many aspects of society, also being prevalent in families who are looking to adopt as well. Yeah. Wow. And I find that to be appalling. Like if a family is a good really nice, wholesome family that is willing to do the work and understand the trauma of adoption and everything else, but their house is just slightly too small to fit the requirements. I wonder if there's research done into aggregate home size between different demographics. Is this decided by people who are elected officials or is this decided by people who are within governmental agencies? That's a good question. And it is something that I would like to put some time and effort into trying to find the answer to. Because if it is something that is done by people who are voted into office, that should very much be something that comes up in conversations during elections. Absolutely. Especially with how everything has rolled out with Roe v. Wade, the states that are disproportionately affected by that decision, it seems that there's probably a huge poverty gap that skirts towards demographic in those places where they say that the solution is going to be adoption. It's funny to think about the solution having one hand tied behind its back when they say that that's the miracle cure if there is an unwanted pregnancy. Right. 
just have the baby and then let someone else adopt it. But if you're putting all these rules in place about the size of your house, then what happens? I mean, I guess the logical thing is that if you've already adopted one person as a white family, you're mm-hmm. able and required by law to adopt the rest of them, right? As long as I, they I, have the square footage, right? I would assume so. Yeah. That makes sense. That that seems right. fair. Because they obviously have the room. So that means they obviously have the money to but, support them. Absolutely. And get them all of the therapy that they need. Oh, 100%. Yeah. I mean, love can only go so far. Square footage, that's forever. Until that child has a mental breakdown and burns down the house. Right. There's some trauma. (laughs) That does happen. Now, I can understand, obviously, if somebody comes through and says, all right, looks like you only have a closet for this person and (laughs) you to live in. (laughs) Probably, no matter the size of the love, you definitely need to do that. But if it is something that is, and feel free, people in the comments, let us know what your thoughts are. Let us know if you know more. But if it is sort of based off of an aggregate of, of information that has a correlation to even system housing and things like that. And the cutoff right. is just like above what typical system housing can allot. <sighs> there's some things that probably need to be discussed on a much higher level there. Exactly. There's going to be a town hall hosted by the Department of State on Election Day. Oh, wow. Okay. So where be, is that going to be? It'll be online. Okay. It's at three o'clock. There is a email address that you need to send your name and a couple other things. Uh, get the Zoom link that'll be sent out later. I posted it on our Adapt Twins Instagram page as a highlight. So if anyone is interested, in coming online for that Zoom town hall with the Department of State that handles the adoptions, feel free to sign up for that. Did you move around to different houses or apartments when you were younger or did you pretty much stay in one house? Once I was adopted? Yeah, once you were adopted. Once I was adopted, until I went to college, there was only one house I lived in. I lived in multiple houses. My family was a Navy family. So I've lived in duplexes. I lived, I think, in a trailer for a little bit. And then I lived in a two-story house. But as a child, I don't ever remember feeling confined by space in any of them. I'm curious to see what their idea for the cutoff is. That's really interesting. It it is because if things could change there, a lot more children of color could be adopted by people of color, which children that are adopted have a lot of trauma as it is. And then to have to add that transracial layer on top of it is an extra thing that doesn't need to be there. Do you think that there's a similar journey that you've gone through that is also there when it comes to all sort of transracial adoptions, even if their biological parents are based in America, meaning that you identified with white culture for so long. And then you had the moment of actually, I want to learn about my heritage and I want to feel my heritage. Do you think that that's pretty universal for no matter what the race is of an adoptee? You know, I'm not sure. I, I don't want to speak for other adoptees on that. I've heard from other Korean adoptees that were transracial 
easily adopted that they've had similar stories to me. But the East Asian community is treated differently when it comes to race than the black and brown community. A lot of times when there's conversations on race, it's always about the black and brown community. And right. like I'll see polls done and it'll be like, well, white people, brown people, black people. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> you're missing something here. <laughs> you're missing because- the model minorities. <laughs> Right. But we often get lumped into the white category for that kind of stuff. So I'm not sure if people who are black and brown and were adopted into a white family have that same kind of feeling that we have because of the way society kind of reacts to East Asians and the black and brown community. I mean, we obviously face racism. I've talked about that many times, but it's in a different way. I mean, we do have, we have had some people reach out who uh, volunteered to chat with us about their experience who do identify in the black and brown community. So it'd be great to ask them about that experience. Absolutely. I'd love to hear that. So let's make that happen soon. That's all we've got for this week. Thanks for listening. To our fellow adoptees, we hope you know you have a safe space with us. And for our friends who aren't, We hope you've learned a little bit more about life as an adoptee. If you'd like some extra perks, you can show your support by joining us on Patreon. You can find all the info on our website, adopttwins.com. That's A-D-O-P-T-W-I-N-S dot com. We'll catch you next time. The Adapt Twins is produced by CS Creative Studios.